0: Welcome to Inner Health Optimization with Rudy and Sean.
1: Okay, here we go. We uh, we live um, on our podcast number nine. Sean, um, yeah, it's been quite a nice journey. Um, Sean has actually had quite a journey. If you look on the the screen, he's had a journey with uh, with his arm uh, working on his uh, his uh, VO2 max, and that's actually our uh, our. Um, subject for today. So we we've we're not clever enough to to talk about VO2 max. So we've asked our our friends and and who is the guru on that? And we found someone that is a, a co PhD student. So she's becoming a, a doctor in VO2 max or or exercise um, physiology. And she's at the moment she's joining us from. Leuven in Belgium, where she's co phding between Stellenbosch and, uh, and Leuven University, uh, Louise Engelbrecht. Um, welcome, Louise. Welcome, Louise.
2: Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. We, we, uh, we're nice and warm here in, in South Africa, so uh, you're probably nice and cold there.
2: Yes, it's it's a rainy day, and it's I think it's six at the moment. <laughs>
1: six degrees, yeah. And I think it's about twenty-six or thirty-six here. It's nice and warm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on. So, I mean, uh, we in in our podcasts. I don't know how many of them you've listened to, but we uh, it it was it was us trying to to bring someone in on the reason why we would screen them, how they are. Uh, on the sick side, uh, trying to find the big things that that might kill them. Now we're looking forward. So now we say, but what can you do now to make sure you get to a good 80? So, and VO2 max is one of the big, big, big predictors, probably the biggest predictor about how good and how long you're gonna live. But I mean, VO2 max, even for the athlete uh, um, is, is quite a, is a word that we know. But it's not something that that academically you, you, we we have in our minds exactly what it is. So maybe you can bring us in to say what that is and how, how we go about knowing what, how, what your own one is.
2: Okay. Yes. So um, severe to max, it's your basically your maximum oxygen uptake by your muscles. So it represents your um, your cardiorespiratory fitness. Um, So we can divide the VO2max basically into two parts. So the first part is your your oxygen delivery. So your major uh, organs involved in that would be your lungs and your heart. And then you have your muscle extraction or utilization, um, which which happens at the muscles. So yeah, VO2max is is a marker that we use for endurance athletes um, to, to gauge their potential. Um, So, as an endurance athlete, if you want to be an elite athlete, yes, you need a high VO2 max, but it's it's more than that. It's also related to, you know, the functional capacity of human performance, so day-to-day tasks, Um, and yeah, as you said, it's closely related to longevity and is an is a independent predictor of all-cause mortality. So having a low VO2 max will increase our risk for cardiovascular and cardiorespiratory diseases. While if we can improve our VO2 max, it's not necessarily gonna make us live longer, but it will put more life into your years.
0: Louise, that's exactly why, why we use it in our program is exactly, I think it was Mayers et al that did that study that said that you need a VO2 max of about 17.5 for activities of daily life. So what we like to do at Inesight is to reverse engineer that and say, okay, we as Rudy um, mentioned it is we wanna create kick ass 80 years old. So we're gonna look at the VO2 max and say, okay, when you're 80, you at least need 17.5 to just do the normal stuff. Now imagine at 80 you get the flu or you become ill, then suddenly that can drop down a little bit and then you might need to cope. So we're actually aiming for higher than that and you might even live to 90. So that's why we're going to try and get our clients as high as possible by the age that they 80 or 90. Um, and to yes. know that, we need to know the VO2 max now and then we work out more or less where we want them to be now.
2: Yeah, so sorry, just to um, correct you, it's 17.5 17. Um, meters per sorry. kilogram per minute, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, and I mean, yeah, so 17.4. One, one yeah, 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 one seven. yeah. And. If you if you measure in in the um, in the lab, uh, what does that look like? Um, I mean, uh, some of our some of our people would have had a VO two a VO two max test, but a lot of people out there wouldn't have been so wouldn't have had had one. So, what does it look like?
2: Yes, um, okay. So, in the lab, you can either do the test on a, a bike or a treadmill, um, and yeah, depending on the protocol it's always a, a graded exercise test so you begin uh, at a fairly low intensity um, easy manageable intensity and then you um, gradually increase still exhaustion so you can if you purely want to look at the vo2 max um, we'll use what you call a ramp protocol so for the bike test that would be maybe you know 20 watts in a minute so every three seconds you go up with a watt for example um, for a running test that can maybe be um, 0.5 kilometers an hour every minute that you increase um, but then if you maybe don't have time to do your your threshold test and your VO2 max test um, separately then you can use a step protocol so that you can reach a, a steady state at each intensity so that will be you know maybe Minimum two and a half minutes, um, up to five, some even use eight minutes at a intensity. And then you'll jump with a, a big, bigger increments. Um, and that will also be till exhaustion.
1: Okay. And uh, can it differ or does it always differ? Or uh, So a cyclist will have a lower VO2 max running, I presume, than they would have cycling. They use different muscles or how does that work?
2: Um, yeah, so um, if you are very trained in one discipline, um, there will definitely be a difference in your VO two max. Um, generally, potentially your VO two max will, if you similarly conditioned, slightly higher on the on running, just because you activating more muscles during the activity as opposed to. Cycling, which is predominantly, you know, leg muscles, um, so yes, there might be a difference. Um, but with that said, often with sedentary individuals or or obesity individuals, they prefer to use the cycling test, um, just because it's a bit maybe lighter on the joints, and um, walking or running can be uncomfortable.
1: Okay, but they, they, they should not in any case, uh, have a very very well, close. Major difference yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But oh, okay. Be...
0: So if we if we test one of our clients and we give them the choice and they start off with a running test, then preferably we will keep at the running test if we uh, retest them, I suppose.
2: Yes. Yes. so whatever um, test you select and um, mode running or cycling or the protocol that you use um, preferably with a retest you'll use the same the same mode and the same protocol
1: okay and and then things that influence it let's say we get a blank slate someone you've never seen before so genetics a big thing or not um altitude yes. anything like that what
2: um yeah so there are a few factors that will that will influence um your wheel max um, genetics is one of them but i think um yeah you know, what we've seen over the past couple of years maybe not um, as big a role as we always thought. So, um, traditionally, we thought, you know, 40 to 60%, but it seems that the genetic component is more linked to your trainability. So, how quickly you can improve your VO2 max. And also, yeah, it does influence the ceiling. Um, trainability has a big influence. So, as a dentary individual, um, you know, has a much bigger scope of improving their vo2 max so that will definitely have an influence of your value um and yeah stuff like your muscle fiber types um will also impact your vo2 max
0: well that's that's good news for our mere mortals um to know that we can improve our vo2 max
2: yes definitely
1: so if we if we say we want to improve our vo2 max so again let's start with this sedentary individual um which side would you would you say do you start on the on the muscle side or do you start on the ticker side or the heart or the lung side well where, where I mean I've got no idea so yeah yeah so there's
2: there's two basically um intensities or like exercise methods, um, well established to improve VO2 max. So for um, your sedentary individual, I would um, actually recommend starting with the high intensity interval training. So with that um, type of training, you you target the, the muscles improvements at the muscular level, and you're also able to improve your vo 2 max faster so the sessions are shorter so as we increase intensity the volume comes down so the the training might be a bit more tolerable even though it is at a high intensity um, but with this type of training we're then improving the basically the exercise tolerance um, and then it will improve the ability to sustain Um, submaximal intensities for longer Um, and once they're you know more comfortable with exercise then they can go to um, your type 2 zoning type 2 training zones LSD as well Um, but yeah I would recommend actually starting with the high intensity interval training for for the sedentary individual
0: yeah so Louise when you say that um, the interval training will improve the VO2 max in a shorter time what are we talking about are we talking about weeks months days usually
2: you can um you can see improvements within six weeks, um, yeah, so um, yeah, weeks,
1: yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, that's quite interesting, um because there's there's quite a big focus on on zone two. Um, but you need you need quite a lot of zone two to make a difference. So I mean, we we've talked on, on the podcast before about zone two making more mitochondria to have the bigger um, the, the the bigger energy converter, and in that zone do you use more fatty acids. But I like what you're saying because I mean it is part of what we want to do is get people moving because this is such a difficult thing is to move the needle on a VO2 max. and But because it's such a good predictor, we have to get people to move the VO2 max as high as they can.
2: So, yes.
0: so obviously if it moves so quickly, then it must be related to the stroke volume that you increase or the cardiac width or both.
2: I, I actually, more of the adaptations are on a muscular level. They can be, you know, It never happens in isolation, Um, but the the low-intensity training is better for improving your stroke volume. Um, So, at the high-intensity interval sessions, we are actually, because of the, the, almost like the energy strain, um, we're producing more enzymes um, called AMPK, and that goes through a process which then produces more mitochondria. Okay, so that stimulates that. Um, but with the low intensity training we can improve the function of the mitochondria
1: okay okay very very interesting okay and and on the cardiopulmonary side so the heart and the lungs uh, is it you t- you talked about stroke volume um, i'm going to come back to the lungs i want to know if you can make the lungs better or is that what you what you were dealt with
2: yes so, um, yeah, if we look at healthy individuals, the lungs aren't really necessarily a limiting factor with the 0 2 max but, um, you know, you get those devices like uh, Power Lung or Power Breathe, where you get resistance um, with exhaling, um, some even have resistance with inhalation. So, with those devices, you'll be able to improve your respiratory muscles. Um, so that would that can, yeah, then indirectly potentially lead to a bigger VO to max, but also
1: um yeah. But that but that's quite late in the day. That's really putting putting the cherry on the cake. That's that's not really for the for the average Joe out there, I presume. I mean, for us that are weekend warriors, the weekend warriors you want at least one or two big zone twos somewhere, hour plus and then mm-hmm. interval training, but I've I've spoken to a few few um, cyclists and and they say if they really want to make a big difference in a short time, they say exactly what you're saying is is 20 minutes warm up and then four times four so four four minute intervals as hard as you can with four minutes rest four times. And then twenty minute cooldown, and that's actually there. Move the needle the quickest, uh, as you say in six in six weeks. Uh, is that the type of thing you see with cyclists there as well?
2: Yes. um if we if you barely go to performance, you know, and I'm not necessarily looking at the health aspect, then um yes, that that will help, but it depends on the phase of your training. You know, are you busy? building your base? Or are you um, you're, know, you in base training, or you're close to your race? Um, you know, where are you in your season? Um, because, you know, they with cyclists or runners, you know, I always tell them if you want to build a big pyramid, you need a big base. And how do you build a big base with your long, slow um, distance type of session? So the zone two sessions? Because um, yeah, if you have those basic endurance um, adaptations in place, you will. They will also help you actually to improve the top-end stuff better. Um, yeah, and the, those adaptations are at the cardio level, the stroke volume, the higher plasma volume, and stuff like that.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So you talk about the pyramid. If you if you build that base, you pull the sides with the with the zone two, but to yes. pull the top is with the with the um with, the with with the interval training. And if you don't have the base yes. that, that that you won't so, build.
2: Yeah, so we talk often about polarized training. So there's different training methods, but with polarized training, 80% is your zone two, 20% is the high intensity stuff. Yeah, That's so so still a big part of your, of your training.
0: Yeah, so that's exactly what we try and do with our clients as well, to do an 80-20 split once they, you know, at that point. Um, but yes. I do like the, the high intensity to maybe start with that if they haven't done anything yet just to get them, uh, especially yes. the exercise, exercise tolerance that you mentioned, to get them um, to a point where they can do both.
2: Yes.
1: Uh, and how long... Uh, is the minimum zone two before you will you will see? I mean, does half an hour zone two work? Because most of the most of the zone two training sessions I've seen is an hour plus, but actually two hours plus.
0: And I think that I think the problem the problem is that many of our patients doesn't have that much time. So if you say eighty percent of your time zone two, but you only have two hours a week to to exercise, um, that's not a lot of zone two then.
2: No. Um then ideally, you know, try to do your zone two training over the weekend. Um for yeah, for health purposes, you know, I would say at least 45 minutes um or maybe longer. Um for yeah, like in a sense for your if you if you're gonna start with walk walking. So some people if they start out their zone two might be a brisk walk or walk intensity, so then 45 minutes if you're a cyclist, you know, at least 90 minutes, um, you'll be need a little bit longer, um, to get that benefits because, um, yeah. So can I, can I speak about the stroke volume and how we improve that with this intensity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically what we want to do is so stroke volume. That's the amount of blood that we pump out of the heart with each heartbeat. Um, and if we want to pump out more blood, we need to fill the heart more. Um, so we need to basically increase the filling time of the heart. Um, and to be able to do that, we need a lot of repetitions. So if you only doing it for half an hour, that's maybe not enough to create that stimulus for adaptation. Um, and yeah. so. Um, We want to maximally fill the left ventricular volume, um, and that happens at an intensity of 40 to 60% of your to max. Um, So as soon as we go higher than 60%, then we're not like 100% with our stroke volume. So stroke volume starts to decrease a bit. Um, So that's why we need this low intensity to be able to maximally... Um, dilate or fold
1: the heart um, with each repetition wow it's but it's actually then coupled to very close to where your um your lactate lactate threshold is and so I presume then you your heart rate picks up quite a bit when you start uh, going into your or going over your lactate threshold and so you
2: so once the the heart rate starts going up too high, um, then we're decreasing, you know, that time we have for filling. So then we're not maximizing the stroke volume adaptations anymore. So this intensity is, yeah, is actually, yeah, way below our lactate threshold.
1: Okay. So -hmm. we, we use the 180 minus your age as a, um, As the top of zone two for most people. But it it sounds like you can actually go a little bit lower because 180 minus your age gets you to about 0.665 in that area. So, of your, of your, um, or or, I mean, the big calculation is 220 minus minus your age times 0.6. But the easy calculation is 180 minus your age. So, but it sounds like yes. you, you, you. If you go slow for longer, it's it's even better. Uh, am I understanding you yes. correct?
2: Yes, yes, definitely. So, um, yeah. So I think for a lot of people, zone two training is actually a bit hard in the start because it's so slow. Um, and the the more conditions you you get, you know, that will shift up a bit harder, and it will, um maybe not be as easy um like for your elite levels you know zone two is, is quite high already but um it's sometimes you know actually frustrating <laughs> because you feel like am I doing anything um because it's so easy when you start getting um start training um as I mentioned for your you know um runners or something it can actually be a walking pace um so yeah yeah, so, it's, but but
0: it still need to be hard enough to um, produce an adaptation. So ideally, you would yeah. like to know your where you lie in zone two. Um, so, so if you
2: don't have any marker um, like a heart rate monitor or you know a calculation or if you have done a test, a good um, like reference is if you have to rate it out of ten, it should be not more than four out of ten. The intensity. And you should be able to still maintain a conversation at that intensity, um, Yeah, So it's not it's not that hot.
1: Yeah. So so Sean has done a video on that um, running, and I've done one cycling. So um, it, it should be on our link uh, to to go and look at the. So uh, that's where we try and try and uh, put the rate of perceived exertion um, out there. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting uh, to to have seen those values change with athletes where they start. I mean, they start in uh, in, in their zone two, where they can hardly stay on their bike, and now their their, their watts in zone two is like almost four four uh, watts per kilogram. Uh, it, it is amazing, but it's so counterintuitive that people don't do it.
2: Yes, and I. Then- in our lab, we work quite closely with um, a trail running coach, um, and they like to send their athletes um, once every season, so in the start of the season, and um, they really employ their own two type of training. And what we've seen is, um, with some of the athletes that came back, like their um, aerobic threshold, that are what their anaerobic threshold with the first test, moved up everything moved up and that's now the aerobic threshold um so yeah so there's really a lot of improvements um if you just have the patience and you do the training properly Um, because i think a lot of us we get stuck in the middle um but yeah the adaptations are really at the opposite ends
1: so meaning that weekend warriors that go out for a ride in zone three and four that's not where you want to be
0: No. I I mean, that's a classical thing. We get someone showing us their watch, they go home and watch and say, listen, I've been in zone two for so many minutes, Zone three for, for X amount of minutes, zone four for, yes. So we do need a little bit more of a plan, even though it's for, for general health. Um, and, and that's what we try and do. We try and, to get dedicated zone two training periods and some dedicated high-intensity training periods as well as some resistance training. Um, that, that's the ideal thing. So, so we, we really try and do that with our clients. Um, I just thinking from from a testing point obviously you need to know numbers you need to know your numbers to know if you improve or where where we need to improve and things like that so in the lab obviously that's not a comfortable test you've done one Rudy. I think you've done one as well done, yeah. can you give us some just some insights and and
2: how does it feel yes so um with the the vo2 max so we you wear a mask um, so it's not a, a Oxygen mask. It's just a face mask um, with sampling lines connected to it, so we measure every breath um, to to get your oxygen consumption. But the mask can be quite comfortable. Um, I mean, we uncomfortable. I mean, um, we try to you know m- make you as comfortable as possible with controlling the the temperature in the lab and the aircon and a fan, but still. You know, it's like if it it's fine in the start. Um, as I mentioned, the, the test tends to be um very easy at the beginning and then all of a sudden it's not. <laughs> and then um yeah, and then it can be if you're a bit, you know, claustrophobic or something, it's not always nice to have the mask on your face, especially if you someone that tends to sweat a lot. Um but it doesn't restrict you from breathing normally, so you can, you're, it might perceive it that way, but you can still get in the maximum amount of air yeah,
0: but you need to go to full intensity, so it's quite a a harsh yes. test
2: yes, yes yes and
0: and and where I'm going with this is there's two implications so the first one it's a Slightly uncomfortable test to do. And there's also costs involved in doing the test. So obviously for us from a health perspective, if you're an elite athlete, then there's no doubt you need to go get the testing done. But but for the average Joe out there and for our clients, um, what other options are available to to maybe get an a, you know, approximate value of the VO2 max? Yeah. Is something like the Garmin? Algorithm, is that okay? Is there some other tests out there that we can do? Because we we at the moment use a calculated guess on where the VO2 max lies Mm -hmm. based on your your heart rate, your resting heart rate, and things like that. Um, I would just like to hear from you what you think.
2: Yes, so there are a few indirect measurements that you can use. Um, So, yeah, so there's various ones, there's ones that you can still do kind of in a laboratory setting, um, like a Bruce protocol on a treadmill, uh, where you do not use the mask, but just the the graded exercise test. Um, For your team athletes, you know, it is very expensive to to get the entire team through a lab, so then they will use tests like the bleep or the yo-yo. But a good alternative um, might be the Cooper test. Um, So that is a 12-minute test. for the test, though, to be more reliable, um, it's better to do it on a um, something like an athletics track or you know a field where you know the surface is flat or something. Um, but yeah, so then you'll you'll do the 12 minute test, you uh, record the distance, and based on that, you can then input the values in a in a formula um, to get you an estimated VO2 max.
0: Yeah, so Luis, uh, currently we can use a cooper test at our clinic and we just put a one percent gradient in, on the treadmill to simulate outdoor um, um things but but can you do that on a on a, um, a bike as well or is that just for the running
2: um they they are um indirect bicycle tests um I can't remember the the names for them now yeah but they are are, are um tests available on the bike. But it's not the Cooper one. <laughs> it's a, it's a bit different.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, just coming back to how the predictor works. So we, we try and say to the clients when we test them that they will lose about uh, ten uh, milliliters per kilogram per minute. So, so your your VO two max per decade. Per decade. Yes. Yeah. So, so. Ten per ten. So if you're now at a forty, I mean you you're going to struggle. Uh, or, or if I'm at I'm now almost fifty years old, and if I'm only at a thirty now, I'm going to struggle when I'm eighty. So you really really have to work hard to have your um, VO2 max high. But the nice thing about VO2 max, it's trainable mm. for a long time in your life as long as your as your ticker holds really. I mean your muscles are trainable yeah. so you you just have to make sure that your heart is good but you can you can train it at any time mm. and I think the other side is everyone has got a VO2 max everyone that's alive does have a VO2 max so uh, yes. and 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 can be trained that I think that's that's the good thing I mean you see the top 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 end of athletes but The old granny has got one, the 30-year-old person has got one, but everyone is trainable. So So Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like you spoke, speak about, you want people to be, you know, healthy 80-year-olds. And the bottom line is, do you want to be an 80-year-old that can still play with their grandchild or do you need assistance? To just get out of your chair um, and I think that's the problem with a lot of people they just think of the now and not what am I doing to extend or improve my life in the long haul what are my goals for when I reach 80 and you know people can complain I don't want to get old but well what are you doing now to prevent that
0: I think that's the beauty of the VO two max um, it's a number but it actually capture all the benefits of exercise um, in yes. a number, all the endothelial um, advantages of exercise and the fitness and everything that that, yeah. that comes with that. Um, so yeah, if we can get people to 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 have a higher base at a younger age, um, so you know so that when they reach eighty or ninety, that it's not that low, and then by keep them active to try and reduce that decline over time
2: yes so and the the bottom line is that you know if your vo2 max drops below the 17 and a half milliliters per kilogram per minute you um are going to use you know a high percentage of your vo2 max at rest Um, so doing any activity you're going to be exhausted sooner um, and then eventually you have decomposition of your cardiorespiratory um you know system, and uh, that leads to a natural death
1: <laughs> and And the other side is also true for me is if someone has got a vo2 max of over fifty, it's almost impossible for them to be a diabetic because the 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 system then, works with the, the the glucose beta with the free fatty acids and, and and that's why it's such a good predictor because I mean my learning point in in this was the the muscular side is as important as your cardiopulmonary side I mean um, I, I never thought about it that way but I mean uh, as you get fitter your engine can handle the glucose better and the uptake is better. Your uh, And that's, I think, the teaching that we got from you today is high-intensity stuff, move the needle, then get the uh, Zone 2 training in, and, and that then builds the, the cellular side versus the, the stroke volume. The stroke volume will come with the long stuff, but, uh, I mean… Uh, yes,
2: and that's exactly like, um, you know, doing the Zone 2 training – um, as we mentioned earlier, will potentially imp- well, not potentially, improve you know the function of your mitochondria. So um, you'll improve that um, you know insulin sensitivity. Um, so you'll you'll be reliant on less insulin to um, oxidize your glucose and be and actually you're training your body to utilize fat better and um you you're clearing the lactate um so your lactate clearance rate is improving um at lower intensity. so you're bringing that lower for longer as well
1: that, that's quite interesting because they said someone like daddy bogacha has got a a, a massive um uh, lactate clearance so which was something that's quite new in in the thinking uh, am i right i mean that that that's yeah
2: yeah well yeah so i mean we're all constantly producing lactate and clearing and then you know at your threshold basically your production exceeds the clearance rate um so with your base training that is sorry one of the focus um, of that training is to improve your clearance so you um basically being also able to utilize lactate as a fuel as an energy and convert that to ATP
0: yes and and that's exactly that even you know if you compare him to a metabolic unfit diabetic, then you see a metabolic unfit diabetic might have a, a lactate above two at rest um, yeah. you know and that's 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 the difference at rest they've got a higher lactate that he would generate <laughs> after an hour or two.
2: And then, unfortunately, they're also not great at um, using fat as for energy. So yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and coming back to to VO2max, that's then the needle that takes the moving. Uh, It's so difficult to move, but if you move your VO2max, I want to say almost everything gets better. It it is uh, such a good predictor of of all little horsemen that we've talked about up to now. It is. um, uh, I I
0: I think people don't understand how important exercise is. If you look at the the hazard ratios, if you look at something like like smoking, you've got a forty percent. Increase and or cause mortality, but if you go compare the elite athlete with the lowest VO2, there's a 500-fold difference between the two. So there's no tablet, there's no intervention, there's nothing that can do that in medicine. The
1: only thing is exercise.
2: Yes. That's
1: amazing. Yeah.
2: more actually
0: the cost of the the chair yeah the comfort zone of the of our society sitting down you're absolutely right everything is just we don't move enough these days and in our podcast about the balance we had this discussion as well is that we're not moving anymore and that's why we get all the problems um not by choice sometimes you've got a job and you need to sit in the chair and you don't have an option but but that's, that's what's happened over time. So now we need to do things to undo that.
2: Yes, and yeah, and I mean, um, you don't, if you're starting out, you, there's a lot of research that's shown that, you know, you don't have to do your exercise at one session necessarily. You know, you can have pockets of exercise throughout the day, like, you know, five minutes, session of high intensity interval and that will, will be just as beneficial as if you do a half an hour high intensity session for example.
0: Oh, that's excellent. So that's parking a little bit further away from the office so that you can walk that little bit. Getting up like after a couple of hours of work and not go for a smoke break but actually just go for a quick walk do some squats or some push-ups or Something just I mean, to take keep the going. Stairs, not yeah, the take chairs. the stage <laughs> <laughs> take the chair along.
1: Uh, Louise, um, so I just want to come back to your studies. How long are you in Belgium for still?
2: Um, yeah, I'm here for a six months period. Um, yeah, so we're busy with the with the recruitment, um, and yeah, study will start now on the 13th of March.
1: Okay, and then w- when you're back, are you writing up your PhD? Uh, I'm, I'm taking a long shot to see if if people see this uh, this podcast and they want when you're back in South Africa get want to get hold of you for training advice or something. We can maybe put yeah. something in the in the link of the podcast so they can get hold of you.
2: Um, yeah, so I'll be back in Salombosh. I'll be in the lab again from. July. Um so yeah, they can contact me um via email.
1: Okay. We'll we'll get all those details from you and they can yeah. contact you. And uh because I mean that's you, you live and breathe this stuff at the moment and uh there there are quite a lot of weekend warriors that just want that extra step. So it'll be it'll be quite interesting for people to get hold of you and you know. Yeah. No, sure. Oh, thanks for your time, Louise. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, yeah thank you for inviting me.
1: <laughs> it's awesome. And, and uh, good luck with the rest of your PhD. It's uh, you. very good to meet you. And we'll meet you in person when you're back in South Africa.
2: Yes, that would be nice.
1: <laughs> thanks so much. You go well. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Disclaimer. This podcast is not
0: intended as a substitute for the advice of your healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship has been formed through this podcast. The content here is for information purposes only.